You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. All right, here we are at the After Laugh, at an undisclosed location by the Laugh Factory. That's me popping over a rock star drink. And I'm here with uh, my good friend. I, I consider you a good friend. We've yep. known each other a long time. Yep. Uh, Chris Martin from the UK. That's Hello. always how we say it. Chris Martin from the UK. And um, They'll get that from my voice. They'll get that from your Some voice. character. Um, so we just did uh, back-to-back sets at the Laugh Factory. Now, I've been working in the Laugh Factory for... Uh, 10, 12 years, and for some reason, Chris was just like, okay, you're going after me. I'm going, I, uh, no, no, uh, you're going first. <laughs> and I just- you, They put you first. They put me first? They, she put your name down first. Oh, she did? Yeah, she wrote your name down first, so I was like, you go first. And I was, oh, I thought you, like, dictated it. No, I thought I you were like, go I'm in. going second. I didn't go in and uh, colonize the uh, the running order. As <laughs> that would be so would. British of you if you did. Uh, well, she if, put your name down first and me next, so I just went, oh, you're oh, okay. first, and I'm second. So, so just so you know, in, in the world of comedy, usually the first spot is a little bit harder because the alcohol hasn't kicked in, if you don't know this, for the... That was a good spot. They were ready for you. They, they were right. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about what happened today on this on this. So, uh, me and Chris, we met. Uh, what year was that? Um, it was New Zealand. It was the first 2013. Year yeah, I think it was 20. Because I did a show in 20 or 2012, maybe 2012, 20. I think it was 2013. And uh, let's just say that. Uh, so, uh, and we were on. It was actually 2012. Oh uh, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so we were on this. It wasn't a tour. We were on the festival together. And in we're New Zealand. In New Zealand. And we're in Auckland, New Zealand. We're very different comics. And um, let me put it this way. I got emails during that festival where people would say, not death threats, but threats that were like New Zealand equivalent of death threats. Like, you had some funny material, but you should get the fuck out of here if you're going to do that racism shit. Yeah. If you that's know what's good a, for you. And I was like, what? A good voice. It's a good, that's, that's, good. that's me doing like a Reese yeah, you, Darby. You'd get emails of... Um disgruntled because you push a few buttons yeah i try to push so anyway to not touch a single button when i'm on stage <laughs> so so i went on first and i can i can be clean ish yeah. i know i can be clean i can be clean i've done children's parties so i said so because i was before chris and because we're friends and we're comics the nature of that means that you have to try to make everything difficult for them so i uh I was like, I'm going to do some of my more offensive and edgier and dirtier stuff. So um, I went up there, and it was going okay. It was going okay. It was going great. But I ended with a joke that's kind of a new joke. Was, I, was, I, I liked what you were trying and, to do there. And, and I actually didn't finish it. But You tapped out. It was weird. You tapped out when I was like, you you were getting them. It was one of those bits where the audience... From me watching, I was like, well, they're naturally going to pull back at the start. Yes. But I could see what you were trying to do with it. And I thought you just like, this is me as a, is this recording? Are you worried it's not recording? No, it's recording. It's recording. This is me as a, as a friend and a a comedy (laughs) fan. I was like, oh yeah, just, I was like, you're getting it. But you also, you haven't done that many times. So maybe you aren't, you know, it's like you don't have the confidence of that. Well, yes. So, so just so to let people know what the, what the bit is, I talk about, a girl giving me oral sex. 
who's a vegan? And I go, when she, you know, went down on me, my first thought was, I guess she's not really a vegan. Now, that's not a great joke. That's not, re- that's more of a setup. And people go, hey. they have a weird reaction. I go, well, she didn't swallow, so maybe she is. And then I expect the reaction to be a little bit like, particularly in West Hollywood. And then I, and then I say, the follow-up to that is, really, are we divided over blowjobs in this country? Is that a partisan issue? Is that, are we, am I splitting the aisle? And then I say, you know, everyone says, talks about make America great again. You know when America was great? America was great when you could push a woman's head a little bit. Not, not a lot. Not a lot. Just a little. Not like, but just a little nudge. Like a two-finger behind the shoulder nudge, something like that. And it, it, in, Ve- in Las Vegas, I do that joke in front of like truckers. It's literally like I could be body surfed out of the room when I do that joke. Really? I've done it twice in the West Hollywood room, and I literally hear... The minute I say make America great again, and I'm talking about blowjobs, they're already geared to like whatever he's going to say yeah. is going to be hateful. So <laughs> so I literally, <gasps> we could push women's head a little bit. Crickets, not a laugh there. And then they get a laugh like, not like, but like a little, you know, then, then you kind of get. So the follow-up for the joke is, I go, I just kind of keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, going, going. You know, it's like you overcompensate. <laughs> Lack of a laugh by by just talking more. So I say now you can't even touch a woman's hair. If a woman's out and you touch her hair, she's like, "What the fuck do you think you're doing? Are you trying to push my head? I'm a strong, independent woman. I will push my own head. Thank you very much." Ah, and then I have a woman push her own head. Now, that joke is just so absurd. It ends up usually kind of rounding out the joke and making it kind of go, "Okay, he's just a clown up there being goofy. Yeah. He doesn't think he's in." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I say, there is a woman, I go, there is a woman in the crowd, or there's a woman in America, you're laughing about it, there's a woman who is definitely pushing her own head during that. Because women want to be dominated, but they don't want to give man the satisfaction of dominating them. And that's a little bit deep cuts. And sometimes I say that, and then I go straight into the threesome bit, but i already done my threesome bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's sort of, so Chris goes up there, and Chris, uh, Chris killed, by the way. We're, I'm like, listen, I'm like, that fucker, I wanted to make life miserable for him. But So tell me what, what, what you did tonight. What was that said about? Well, can I comment on your stuff? Yes, first? please. Because I was like... Uh, give me some tags. I'll give you, Fix I'll it. Give, well, I'll give you one. Uh, can I give you one note? As yeah, a, as please. A, this is something you probably haven't thought of. Yeah. But you know when you go a vegan, and I go, I go, she's on her knees, I guess she's not vegan. I actually think, and I'm a comedian, so I got what you do. It even took me like a step. To get, to get to that to get it it wasn't even like I wasn't like oh it's a blowjob joke I was like oh right because she's gonna suck your dick and dick is me but then even that the leap of a dick to me so do you think it's a little so like she zips out she puts my mm in her mouth yeah. and I'm like I guess she's not vegan yeah I, I think it's that because you said knees she's on her knees so then I just go oh she, she's gonna suck your penis and your penis is a meat so you just sometimes that's, with, step. that's just an interesting thing when like you know in your head you're like well that's I have that all the time that makes perfect sense you, you just miss that one connecting yeah What's funny about that is this I is actually. It's so funny to really analytically talk about No, it's you great. It's great. I mean, but that routine. is. That's comedy in, in a nutshell. You yeah. have a fart joke and you analyze it for, you know, four days. But that's just one little thing. I've yeah. What do you mean, a little thing? Who told we... you that? So, I've uh, seen it in New Zealand. <laughs> Maybe just, but like on the Southern Hemisphere, it looks smaller or something. I don't know. The water goes the other way and your dick looks tiny. So, uh, so I will. I, I know what you mean. There is something also I like saying it and then holding in the silence for people to kind of get it. Yeah. And then I say, well, she didn't swallow, so maybe she is vegan, which then people get it. But there is a way 
it used it used to say like uh, I guess she's not really vegan, and then I wait and I go that joke works on two levels because obviously meat in the mouth and then semen. Because I, I'm telling you this, this is actually factual. There are vegan women. I, this is true. This I'm not just making this up. You can Google this. There are suck. vegan women out there who will not swallow. Will, will not suck you, will not no, they will you. suck. Is that, but they they won't. Is that what they say to you? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's because I'm vegan. Yeah. No, they will not swallow a male ejaculate because it's derived from an animal. Interesting. It's 100% true. They will not swallow because well, it's... Same way they won't drink, eat honey, like certain vegans. Yeah, they won't yeah, have honey because yeah. it's derived from me. So, um... But, so that, is, but the, only, the only thing I'd argue about that if I was being technically vegan and I'm trying to be as close to vegan as I can is if they're sucking your penis to get your semen out that's yeah. not cruelty to animals <laughs> <laughs> if anything that is the best thing an animal could wait, experience wait let me write this down yeah that's funny that's a neat tag for you but that is, if that's a funny that's a fact you go that isn't cruelty so yeah it, it's not a no fully, animals got harmed in this in this that situation. joke isn't fully fleshed out are we doing puns yeah, here come mate, on now British people love a pun alright so I feel bad that the introduction to, to the podcast with uh, my good friend Chris Martin is basically Blowjobs for five minutes, and this but this is um, the police coming. This is the so here we are. Police coming to arrest you. No, so good. the thing about this podcast is we're actually outside. And you, reason I want to be outside is because I want people to kind of drink and smoke weed. And you're actually not drinking or smoking. No, I'm, be, I, I'm being. Um, I've been drinking. I can't. I can't do. You're this. British guy not drinking a beer. No, I, I could have a beer, but I'm just. I mean. I can't be bothered to make you get one. I, I'm also, I mean, I I'm can also, go. No, nah, I don't worry about it. Because uh, also, like, you guys all drink and Look, there's there's in. bottles right there. And look at that right there. There's a bottle opener on the wall. That's well, pimped go. out, it's, it's, No, it's, it's nicely kitted out, and I'm not taking advantage. You you did Please. offer me a rock anyway, star, okay. and I'd rather have blended <laughs> my own bollocks than eat a rock star. So, okay, so let's go back to... Uh, so, anyway, I, I want to talk bit. more about you. So, so talk about me. Okay, yes. so my set. That was yes. a fun set. So, I'd come from another set. Yeah. And they're very different in terms of... The other set I did was... um. In Long Beach, the mm -hmm. other Laugh Factory. Now, if you don't know anything about uh, people listening uh, who don't know about Hollywood v. Long Beach, Long Beach is a very interesting place because it is very cosmopolitan, but there's also a lot of meth and there's a lot of, there's a kind of white trashy, it's white yeah, trashish. Okay. But there's also a very sophisticated but the crowd. Were quite the, crowd. Not, the, the crowd, they were actually, it wasn't really full because the World Series is on so I think that took out quite yes. a lot of the yes. but the crowd were there they were like oh they want to come watch comedy and I was first after the MC okay. and I was doing both sets were weird in terms of this is like just to give some context both were not standard in terms of the first one I was supposed to do a set amount of time but then one of the acts was late so I ended up doing twice as long because they said don't come off until the light comes on yeah. so I ended up doing 20 instead of 10 which is cool yeah. I have enough minutes yeah, and then the one we just did, we were going to do this podcast. Yeah, and we got called across. Yeah, so it. the owner walked over and said that Tom Dreesen wasn't going to be here. This one thing says a comic that we actually love, as opposed to most jobs. Most people are like, "Hey, you know, this person can't wait tables. Can you cover?" Oh, I guess I'll cover. We're actually looking to cover. However, do you know what? When he said like, "You you do ten and I'll do ten. And I'm like just establishing myself at that club. A bit of me was like, I get a weird type of anxiety from that. Sure. I haven't mentally, I'd already clocked off work. Yeah. So it was like, well, I've got to do it because you want to take the opportunity. Yeah. But then I was still like weirdly, even though I could tell the crowd were nice and you were having a good I was still like, oh God, I, what if I just am awful? But yeah, I was, think, do you think that always exists? Do you think that's something that the idea of like, what if I bomb happens before you go on stage all the time? Because I've had, there's something called the actor's nightmare where actors go on stage and they don't know their lines. Yeah. And I've been an actor for a long time. I've had that nightmare for sure. I think the comics nightmare is you go up and you don't know what you're, and you just 
bomb. Yeah. Right? And literally in my dream, I'll be very rational and logical going like, what am I going to say in front of these people? And I feel like I have that in real life when I go on stage, I go, I don't quite know what I'm going to mm-hmm. say and I should trust myself, but sometimes I think, uh, just the vo- little demon on my shoulder, they're going to fucking hate you, Bill. They're yeah, going to hate course. you. Well, isn't it? I always think when I've had a, like a good gig, like that gig, we should have, the crowd were nice, this room set up well, we should have a good gig. So all I ever think is, I li- well, I didn't, at least I didn't fuck that up, right? Is my, yeah. A bit of my, I did enjoy it and I was enjoying it, but that's why maybe when I got called to do that last minute, just then, I was like, oh, I'd got through a gig and it would have been pretty good, the other one. It's a bit different energy, but had a good set. Yeah. By all accounts. How was the energy different, would you say? It was just more chill like it's a more it's a bigger room and there was probably about half the amount of people so you're just like in a way I quite like those gigs so I feel there's less pressure to like that gig you should yes. really kill the one yeah. we just did in Hollywood the other one I'm like oh you can have a bit more fun and play yeah you still want to do good but I think in my head I was like oh I'm, I'm done now so I can't I can't yeah. ruin my evening I was like I'm gonna do a podcast well, it doesn't matter if I'm not funny for two minutes All well people, who knows everyone just just stops listening right now but um <laughs> And then I think I was like, oh, shit, I now have to not be shit again for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And in front of the owner, because I don't know if he's seen me before. I think yeah. he said he had seen me or heard me. So um, so then there was all that extra shit. And in, your head, I'm, in my head, I'm like, I know how to do this. It's going to be fine. But it's that when you haven't, I don't know, you've got to turn on a switch, right? Some guys just walk up there and just fucking talk. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. it's whatever. It's, but I still a little bit have to flick a switch in my head, I think. Yeah, no, I do too. I used to, uh, I used to drink a lot to kind of, it's just like anything else, like asking a girl out at a bar. I used to be like, you need to get the Dutch courage to do it. And then I started listening to myself uh, <laughs> when I would drink, and I sounded drunk. Yeah, I just course. was really slow. My synapses weren't firing that fast, and I was like, oh, I need all the help I get. Rock star energy drinks. Now I just now it's like had Red game. Bull, crack, cocaine. Just try to get like, yeah. I was People, the opposite. I never drunk ever before a gig ever. And then as I've got more confident and more experienced, I'm like, I have a couple of beers. It's right. I don't know. It's like, I think you just trust yourself more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, let's talk about your, your set tonight. So you, uh, you want to, what, what, wor- like, what are you working on right now? And what would you say the gist of your set was? What were you talking about? Do you know what? I have been. And do you adjust your set when you're in Hollywood, Long Beach, or, or back in London? Yeah, or- I definitely like in London, I wouldn't talk about. The story, the weed story I did about my stoner neighbor here. If we'll just talk about it a little bit, because uh, just so people can feel like Okay, they, so, and here's an interesting... Motorcycle, sorry, motorcycle. we're outside, how cool is that? Okay. The, um, here's a, this is a really tangential, but I think I heard Ronnie Cheng talking about, on my podcast, but he was doing it with the host in the UK, but he was talking about, he's a daily show yeah. correspondent, really funny guy, and he was saying, a lot of people say you got to be in America for two years, to get I think John Oliver told him that till you know how to perform in America. Wait, can you pick that you just dropped another name. Can you pick it up? I'm kidding. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm kidding. I didn't speak to John Oliver. I'm joking. I'm just being an asshole. I just so. sound a bit like him. <laughs> um so he said two years and then Ronnie said that and he's Ronnie's like, uh, on the dot on two years I was like ready to do it and it's when I first came here, I've got like enough stuff and you've seen me in New Zealand's like stuff yeah. that but over here more, the you don't have to be American specific, but America is its own entity. They don't really they have little perceptions of the UK and stuff. But once you live here and you get amongst them, stuff would work. But yeah. now I'm like, okay, what actually do they? So give me cra- exa- what do they crave? So yeah. like the weed thing, I was talking about 
how, and this is the thing, I tried to not do this at first, which is like, I'm a British guy and you guys do stuff different. I hope I don't do it that basic because it's like, I hate seeing people go, Americans Look, are crazy. The fish out of the water story is, is the most know, elemental story of I all stories. I still want it to be independently, I don't want it to be, you guys say sidewalk and we say pavement or whatever. Is, that's actually, it's a good bit I'll write that up. No, I'm joking. But, um, <laughs> I don't want it to be that basic, but you're right. I, I try to, as I've, done comedy more just talk about my what's happening in my life so i can't help but experience this stuff but from a slight outsider's point of view so i had a bit about and it always seems to get like a big laugh or round of applause and it was just an offhand comment i said like probably a year ago and it took me a little while to work it into the set but um i said you guys how much because also again i think when i think of a topic i'm like weed everyone's talking about weed fucking hell am i that guy but the laugh does resonate when i go um you guys like the obsession with weed is so weird because in the uk with weed it's different we smoke it from the age of 14 to the age of 15 then we grow up that's great um, but here there's like grannies doing it while skateboarding in jean shorts and uh, the audience like that like, sort of sets them up yeah and then i tell like a personal story about my stoner neighbor i'm not going to do the whole story but he he introduced me to a snack called ants on a log which is this fucking weird yeah. camping snack and again it's 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 just odd to me from my point of view so I have to, I don't know, I have to do it like that. So I hope it's more interesting than, you know, fucking you guys. But I, I think, but that's that's kind of the idea of the armchair traveler back to the Mark Twain days. People, people want to uh, see someone who has a point of view that they they, they don't have. That's exciting to them. Yes. If you can break it down in a way so they go, oh wow, this is really amazing. I like this guy. I can relate to this guy. But he's also, he's. Everyone is, can relate to a situation where they don't exactly fit in. Yeah, and also... So I, that's unhacky to me at no, all. No, it's not. I know. And also, I hope, you know, you just, whatever. You, there's always going to be someone more interesting and original than what you do. It's just the way it works. <laughs> you can't worry about that. You just got to do what you do. However, there's no, there's not many British comics here doing... Yeah, not too many, no. Like, I've got a couple... Of, I've got a new bit, and it's I've only done it, like, five times. I did it at Long Beach, and it, I'm just working out the vibe of it. Let's work it out right now. Okay, so this is the bit, right? Mm -hmm. And it's fun to do, because I... I feel like I'm putting a British spin on it. but I You did it tonight in Long Beach. I did it in Long Beach. I didn't have time at this one because I still don't. Also, I'm just finding my feet with it and I don't sure. quite know what, what buttons it put. You know, they like said button pushing. This is about as close to edgy as I get, but my barber got shot in the leg the other day, right? Uh-huh. Which, to me, he got shot outside my apartment in the leg and he got shot on a Friday and he, he was back on Monday working again. So I was working out to get that bit in and I, I it took me a couple of shows and I kind of got it in that he told me that it happened and the guy put the this is true put the gun in his stomach he smashed the gun down went for his leg and so I was like because it's still a weird thing talking about guns here right yeah where do you live I live in like east of Hollywood but it was like random there and someone else got shot six times in the leg yeah east of Hollywood leg. is pretty ratchet let's be honest so it's trying to get across that because you know the gun thing here is you know it can easily it could be unfunny to talk about it because a mass shooting could happen that day After that's when you would be like sensitive to be talking about it yeah but i've managed to get some laughs in there i say like it's weird to know that my hairdresser is like jason Bourne. like people laugh at that reference <laughs> yeah and then the bit i've been really just trying to i want to really build it but it gets a big laugh it's got a big laugh in three out of four though long beach they're a bit more unsure maybe it's because it was like a you sometimes need that close energy of a crowd to kind of yeah. get on board but i said it happened outside my apartment it got shot in the leg and you go it's weird i've really started to reassess what i miss about the uk like people like what do you miss like your friends and your family and i was like do you know what i really miss knife crime 
knife crime. Yeah, That's and great. as soon as you say that, I guess a, at the right gig, it's a big laugh, and yeah. it's like, nah, stabbing's just pointy tickling. It's like a phrase that I just find amusing. And yeah, it's hilarious. Laugh. And then I want to, and then I'm like, okay, I've got to that with it, and I was, it was good. I got it out in Long Beach. I got another very new bit about owning a dog. Um, again, all my topics are like. I used to be like, I won't talk about that because it's been done before, but I'm like, ah, it's my life and I took my point I of mean, view. everything's been talked about before if you really look into it. But the knife thing I want to extend, and I was really happy at Long Beach because I did it last night, weirdly, at a show um, that was f- to a dog shelter charity in uh, at Comedy Magic. And I was yeah. like, I've done this like once, but I reckon, you know, out here you get less stage time in London is my thing. It's harder to get stage time. So I think you have to like work on your shit on your own better and no quicker if it's going to be funny yes. or maybe that's just from doing it for over 10 years now like I must be I think you're right so you have to be like you can't just be like ah just chuck this shit out there it has to be so I was pretty confident it would work and then it worked tonight not at the dog one which is like I own a dog and I just try and used to not like dogs that much and then I own one and I try to break down before you own a dog and after a dog is how you perceive the movie John Wick, which I feel like is a funny <laughs> movie to reference. And I go... Because his dog gets yeah, killed. so I go, before I own a dog, I watch that. But if you don't know the movie, and it's just fun explaining the movie, you go, Keanu Reeves is a retired assassin. Someone kills his dog at the start of the film. Then he kills 9,000 people to find out, to get the person that killed his dog. Yeah. And I go, before I had a dog, I was like, that is the dumbest, dumbest premise. premise. And as soon as I had a dog, I'm like, that is the most <laughs> accurate and honest, authentic. authentic thing. And I'm like, then I say, if anyone touches Santiago, and then it gets a laugh because my dog's called Santiago, and that's like yeah. funny in its own right. So that was fun at long, that's but I was great. really glad that got out, and that's funny, and I still want to add. But my thing, I, I always want to stretch Expand it, of course. But some people, you know, I see people just do, ba-bum, ba-bum, and then next thing. But oh, hey, God, no. Once you open that, someone said to me, once you open the door, like, you got to walk into the house and take yeah. a look at everything in there. So I have, if, if I want to extend it, I have 10 minutes on threesomes. Well, there you go. And I'm, I'm like, I want 15 minutes on threesomes. That's great. I just want to keep That's extending it. That's the thing that excites it. me about stand-up still. Because you were saying earlier before we went to do the gig, right, you were like, this is a, a thought I've started getting more recently. I love stand-up, but I still was like, there's other stuff I'm doing writing-wise, and I'm like, that's kind of why I moved out here. Um, but sometimes I'm like, I think if I always just did gigs, like, within half an hour of where I live, yeah, and I just got to go up there, and it didn't I used to want to be a touring comic, but I think actually, I'd l- yeah, I like doing that and, and having fun shows, but there's something really fun about, I don't know, I was like, my wife's back home, I just yeah. do a fun set, get a little yeah. buzz off that and go back. But you sort of said your your head wasn't in the space for stand up so much. Is that right? Or well, I, I just yeah, it's I I just got back from uh, from Ve- uh, Vegas and I did sixteen shows, you know, forty five minutes a set, and um, and when I got back, I don't I don't I don't miss it necessarily. There are people in New York who do seven sets a night, yeah, and it's nonstop. And they come out to L.A. and they do one set and it's time to go home. And they're like, what the fuck type of life is this? It's almost like they have to completely turn their brain off. But in New York, probably how it is in London, you can just keep that mentality, keep doing jump around, jump around. In L.A., you can't really jump around that much because there's not that many clubs that you'd want to do. And uh, maybe there's like four main ones. So so I totally get that. I think that uh, I I like it. I think that L.A. is a very... It's nice because you can write as much as you want, and then when you go up on stage, you have to be ready. Now, the problem with like the Hollywood thing is a lot of people go, well, there's industry. Mm-hmm. There's going to be industry. And when I looked at the VIP booth tonight, I was like, is that Shailene Woodley? I thought it was Shailene Woodley. I don't know who that is. She's, a, she's an actress. She's really cute. She's 
I don't know if she's been nominated for an Oscar, but okay. something like that. And uh, and I got a little nervous about performing in front of Shailene Woodley, and I was like, Oh my gosh, Shailene Woodley, should I mention it? And then the the waitress was like, That's not fucking Shailene Woodley, that's you dummy. Lady. But that's how it is in Hollywood. Sometimes you'll see, you know, whoever it is, like Jerry Lewis there, Chris Pine, Reese Witherspoon, Rachel, they'll just be there in the just randomly, and uh-huh. then you kind of think. There's this weird thing in L.A. that happens on how it is London where you think, oh, what if blah, blah, blah sees me and goes, I have a part in a movie for that guy. And it's sort of a bullshit thing to think, and you definitely shouldn't compromise what you want to say based on it, but it exists here. And there are comics who will do the same 10 minutes over and over and over again hoping for that do you know? Do you know what, though? And this is, I was chatting to another really good up-and-coming comic. It's called Chappelle Lacey. I think he, he he's... Oh. He's a really nice guy. We were just chatting about that. Used to be whenever I've, whenever I've had gigs. Like when I first got out here last year, I had no. Um, I, I wanted a manager in comedy, and some guy watched me, and I knew he was coming. And I went on. I don't know. I was just a bit like I was trying so hard to do my of best course. shit, and it just came. I, I, I was giving myself a six out of ten. And he, yeah. was, and he didn't sign me, but I was like so desperate to get. And I even I don't I don't even think we would have been a great combination anyway. But you know, just so desperate to get. Of course. A thing, and then well, I eventually, and again, this doesn't mean anything, but I eventually got a manager. From I went to, and I was when I first came out, everyone was like, "Do your best shit, do my best shit, every fucking gig, no matter how weird and small." And then I just like I went to New Zealand again this uh, last year for like a month, just did some shows, just working on some stuff, got lots of stage time. I came back and I think I similarly like, oh, fuck, I hadn't had a gig for a week or two. I'd written down this shit and I was like, I think that's funny. And I was like going to do this gig. I didn't know any industry was going to be in, but I hadn't done the gig before and I want to have a good gig. And I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm just, if it's fun. I'd, and I just fucking put in like something happened to me that day. And then I, yeah. I did that and I was very comfortable and relaxed. Cause I, and then she was random in the crowd manager and then she signed me off that. And I had no idea, but it's interesting because I think sometimes you're so worried about, as a comic, I've got to do this bit and get this line. Actually, you, you watch people sometimes and you think, that guy hasn't really like got a big laugh for a minute or two and they'll hit big laugh. But it's just that looking confident and comfortable and knowing what Absolutely. you want to do. Is, but we get so obsessed, oh, that, that didn't get big enough laugh on that bit. But if you're just like, unless you do a complete dud, that's going to stand out maybe, but... You just looking comfortable and enjoying yourself. That's yeah. the thing. That's something. Someone's. Whenever I've best set, someone told me that once. Just, just enjoy yourself. And whenever I go, I'm like, what order am I going to do this? And I just go to myself. Just have fun. Yeah. It's the cheesiest thing, but as soon as you got there to have fun, I think that really comes across. It's crazy, and that's one that weird disconnects I find with stand-up comedy specials and late night TV stand-up comedy. And I have a lot of friends who do a lot of late night spots and they're like working on a five minute bit over and over and they literally hate it. They don't want to do it. They've been working it for two months straight and, and they want to, you know, swallow a shotgun and then they have to go on and on Colbert and then do it. And they're and, and they have a great time and they can charm their way. But by the time they get on, it's like a clockwork orange. They have this like, a you know, amazing spirit to it and yeah. it becomes this mechanized thing where they're on stage and that is the opposite of what i think stand-up is like my my set tonight i went up there and right away there's just something in the audience there's like three great looking people in the audience and it made me think about it was like two guys and a girl and i just thought of the brett kavanaugh thing you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and people got a little bit weird but it, it, it created some sort of authentic yeah, yeah. reaction and so um and I feel when you go up there and you just hit the play button on your set, which is what you have to do, 
if you're doing a special or doing a late night show, it can get very um. It then feels like well, I'm not really doing stand-up comedy. I'm actually I'm doing, doing my, a TED Talk. I'm doing my script, whatever you know? it is. So, Chris, I want to kind of take a hard uh, right turn here and talk about your uh, your origin story. So, like my I said, we met in story. 2012, I guess is what you're saying now. And um, you're uh, you're very British. Very British. Um, people don't realize something I realize. That when people listen to you, they think, oh, British posh but i hear a little wee bit of 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 uh, can i say cockney is it a little bit of like a little bit of that's quite a good ear you've got because i actually went to a very posh school oh you got a posh school but i used to play football soccer as you animals say with all of the kids from like the working class kids who went to a not posh school yeah so if i was going hello how's it going I would have been not accepted as part of the group. You would have gotten an atomic wedgie. Do they have those over? Yeah, in, I yeah. would have got stabbed. Um, <laughs> a knife the, crime. In the bum, in the bum, bum hole. No, um, so my voice is, I know I used to play sport with lots of people outside of school, but there's some people from my school who speak very posh. Yeah. But I, um, mine is kind of pretty posh. Pretty RP. Yeah, with a little bit of now and again I can. Well, the the, the th with the f sometimes with sometimes here the the, I the do th. I, do that? Become, yeah. I try not to do that. Uh, it sounds pretty trashy, but you know I'm kidding. But uh, when I I grew up in mostly urban schools, which is code for black schools. Yeah. And so for me to feel, it feels like it's equivalent of like white kids who kind of have a little bit of a, like a African American patois to kind you. of feel cool. Yeah. yeah. I definitely had one a little bit, and when I went to college. Uh, people called me a wannabe because the way I talked was yeah that's a weird that's the thing that it's like a but they don't people always say that don't they because they're like well why, why does why does a white guy have to speak like a certain way yeah they don't know where you're from yeah and if you'd spoken like you, you were kind of a product of your environment right so that's yeah, that's exactly. What determines our voices. So uh so you went to a posh school and this was in in London I'm assuming that's right. all I know about England. There's London, there's Manchester, and there's maybe a couple other places. That from West Leeds. London. From West London. You're from West London, yeah, which, is which is the, the posh bit. The London. posh bit. East End girls and West End boys. Yeah. No, or that way. Whatever. Anyway, the point is this. So you were there, and you were in school for... Uh, when did you decide that you wanted to do stand-up comic? When did that become it's a weird. thing for you? I used you? to... Um, I'm trying to think about this. I think... Um, I remember distinctly when I realized being funny was like a cool like a cool thing to do yeah and i was like i think i must have been i don't know what age maybe like 10 11 with some friends and it used to be like a tv show called the fast show where they had like loads of characters on it and we were like doing a sleepover at a friend's house and we i just started making jokes and people were laughing like this is fucking great man <laughs> that and also chandler and friends friends was big in the uk you think? yeah i was like chandler that guy's you didn't think of him as the insecure, weird dude. You're like, that guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Be the funny guy. So I wanted to be the funny guy. And then I got really into watching stand-up. Eddie Murphy was like the first special I think I saw. And I used to love Eddie Izzard. Uh, you all know yeah. A guy called Jack D, who you might not know. but um, And then I used to watch some stuff on TV in my teens, like 15, 16. I used to think, are these guys, I could do that better than them. Yeah. And even at school, I remember at school, my last year of school, I set, like at lunchtime, I put on like a comedy show and did um, 
just me and a friend who like stand up so comedy. So you put on the comedy show. I put on a comedy show. Um, and this is in high a school. So- a society called Laugh-A-Lot Sock. What was it called again? Laugh-A-Lot Society. Laugh-A-Lot Sock. La- okay, got it. And then me and my friend, my friend like stand up as well. And he just went on and just did some like a guy called Peter Kay's jokes. He had like jokes. He just did his jokes. Did his jokes, yeah, for but sure. But I like just thought some observations around the school and like got laughs. And he was like, shit, man. I was like. Yeah. And then I kind of, when I finished school, uh, went away. I did like a traveling year thing. When I got to university, I was like, I just want to, just going to do stand up. Yeah, and you went to I university had, for what? English literature. English literature, okay. So, but you knew at that point. In my head, I was like, I'm doing this degree because go to university, kind of help you grow as a person, do English. But you knew you wanted to be a stand-up I knew I wanted then. to be a stand-up. I was like, Interesting. and then a year after I finished university, I'd done a few gigs, but it's hard, you can't gig, like, it was in the north of the country, there's less shows then. They, after I left, actually, weirdly, the scene got quite big up there, but I, within a year, I came back to London, actually worked at my old school for a bit as a sports teacher. And did stand up on the side. Sports and did, teacher. And did stand up. And then I went full time after a year. Because yeah. in the UK, you can get paid. It's not like here where it's hard to get paid. You can get paid, and no one really knows. Getting you paid within a year of starting is pretty rare well, in the US. And I did it at university as well. So, like a bit more. But I guess like a year of just dedicated being in London doing it. Yeah. But also back then, there was like, it was really booming. There were so many gigs. Yeah. And weirdly, with the UK. 10 years later when I became a better I, I don't know I hope some people don't get better weirdly or some people get worse some people are great start but I always think I've kind of got yeah. better in or whatever found more of my voice it's harder to, it was harder to get shows because there was the comedy scene had gone down there's too many comics and then I thought this isn't right that I've got better and it's harder to fill my diary and I always wanted to move to LA well I, th- I don't I, d- I always like love the idea of American stand up and the other stuff and my wife's also an actress and we write together and we were like let's go over there there's more opportunities and for sure we did it but it's still quite rare because a lot of comics from the UK because you could easily make like I don't really give a shit about talking about money people get awkward about it in the UK I don't care but anyway you could make like a few years ago you could quite easily make 800 to pounds a week just doing gigs Jesus that's pretty good how many gigs would that be? that would be like you do your weekends, and then you probably have a couple of midweek ones. So you'd be like five nights a week, but it's still good. And and you find that in America, it's not as much, obviously. Well, at least not in LA. Well, not in LA, it's not. But different. But, but um, you because the clubs, it's not like here where you need the headline act gets all the money, and then you guys are supporting them. Everyone would get like split money relatively yeah. well. Like so, there was that. But so a lot of British people go, why would I go to LA where? You get paid, you get paid like fifty dollars at Comedy Magic is like one yeah. of the best paying gigs, and it's yeah. a fun gig, and it is good. You know, it's privileged to do it, and you get good money, but um, good food and stuff, but and a good audience. But that's not you can't live off fifty dollars a gig, really. Of course not. Yeah. So loads of Brits go. Why would I do that? But I don't know. I was well. There's the carrot. There's the Hollywood carrot, or which is at the end of the day. The well, also you know, even if you know most comics. Uh, become on some level they become either writers or actors. Yes. You know, Mitch Hedberg has this great joke uh, where he, all he wanted to do is stamp comedy. He goes, all I want to do is stamp comedy. And people say, hey, do you want to be an actor? And that's like being a farmer. You spend your whole life farming. And someone's like, man, you farm really well. How about you be a chef now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just fucked up his joke. But that's the idea. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, these it's comics come. 
I, f- I feel like it's a weird thing where comics sort of by default are asked to be actors in LA and most of them go I, one of the things I've been doing recently is coaching comics uh, to become actors and yep. these are great I don't, you know, I don't want to mention they are but they're like really good comics doing really really well and they're just getting the opportunities because they're comics but they've never acted before and they've never taken classes and so I'm looking at them going I, I want to help because I'm going wow these guys they don't really know how to say someone else's words Yes, that is a big thing. That's a How is it for you? Are, do, do you feel when you're out here that you... Are, do you want to be an actor? Does it interest you? Like someone like Joe Rogan, it doesn't interest him. He's like, I think acting's stupid. I've, I've acted in... Um, I was in a show in the UK. Uh, it was kind of a kid's thing, but I was like the lead. It was, it was a good show. It was a series? Yeah, called Horrible Science. Uh-huh. On ITV. It's really great. And I love... The more I do comedy, the more I love all of the offshoot stuff because I guess the reason I got into comedy was like, I don't want to do a normal thing. Yeah, the same thing, and uh, you must. Have, in the UK, I got to the point you on the road, you go and drive into these gigs to pay your rent. It just becomes the same shit, right? Yeah. Whereas I acted in this thing for three weeks, get paid well, get food given. It's like a fun novelty. It's like a like I always give my wife is like a trained actress. She's like yeah. One of BAFTA is amazing. Yeah. And I do like comedian acting, which is like basically trying to be me. Just but, you, but with other people's words. Yeah. You being it, you. Yeah. But the funniest thing about acting, I find, is like people, and over here, there's so many people making their money off, and but you, from what you'll do, that sounds like a fun, useful skill, the way you're helping people. Some of these acting schools, you go through all this, you've got to do this, you got to do that. And then you go, at the end of the day, I might be breaking this down too simply, they always basically just go, just be you. <laughs> just be you. <laughs> just what yeah. it is well, that's end. what and it so is, that's really. that's why some comedians, some aren't good actors, but if you just... And Hannah's like, go for a scene together. She'll like break it down and just train for three years and it's great. Sometimes I just read the thing. I'm like, I just, uh, that's how I would say that. But some people can't be them. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. Something I know. happens to their face, yeah, to the yeah, brain. Yeah, I know, I know. I and they know. go, just say hello. And they're like, hello. And you're like, what? I know. Yeah, you go, why Yeah, why aren't you just being you? Maybe um, you're a natural. You don't even know it. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a good actor, but I'd say I can sort of yeah. do it, my limited skill set. Okay, but yeah, so with that, Oh yeah, I'll do that. That's fun, and then I want to write, and I, I, all of this, all of the, I like all of the offshoots of it. The more yeah. I do it. Now let's get back to like the stamp. When you were in London, do you remember your first paid gig? Was it was it a big event for you, was or was it kind of seamlessly going into what you'd already created? I remember for yourself? my first gig, um, in a venue. Uh-huh. It wasn't paid, but it was a competition. Oh, that's pretty right, big. There was deal. a local club near mine, near me, called Headliners, and they used to have like Jimmy Carr, uh-huh. Eugenie Yashere, obviously both. She's out on the Daily Show now, I think, over here. And I used to go yeah, when I know 16, yeah. and they would, like, crush, and it was, like, fucking exciting. And then that guy there, they were... I was like, oh, I'd done, like, a th- that gig in my school lunch break, and I was, like... I think it was not long after that, really, after school, when I had... Before I kind of went to university, I was like, I'm going to do... This guy's got a competition. And in my head, all gigs were 400-seaters. That's what I thought. Yeah. And so <laughs> I invited, you know, like, just come out of school. You still got loads of friends. Not like now in the 30s, we've got, like, four friends. <laughs> so how did you get into the competition? Was it just a... I think it was like... You pay money to be entered? I don't think it's... Because that's not a thing that they really do. Maybe I don't think we would pay money. It was like, just enter your name. It was kind of a small-ish competition. And I went to the... I told loads of people to come. And it was above a pub. So the whole audience are my friends. Yeah. Literally everyone in the audience knew me. <laughs> And I was on with this really funny blind guy called Chris McCausland, who's now like done live with the Apollos, funny guy, and so on. And it was uh, the voting was done, the how you progress was done on audience 
laughter and clapping. Oh, wow. And I like won. <laughs> so you won the competition? Yeah, they were all my friends. Hey, who cares? You still won. Yeah, I guess it's... No, did it, that lead? Did that lead to more no, stuff? No, we did that, that competition not because of that, but he just lost funding or something. So after that round, there was no more. There was no more of that competition. Yeah, but uh, that was my. So it wasn't like you know, oh, the first gig I died on my ass, but actually, it was a good gig because. But everyone knew me, so it didn't count. Yeah, and I still remember some of my jokes. I had a joke about like penguin from Batman. How like he's the shittest baddie ever. Like just the pr- I can't remember like his <laughs> how his how his weapons an umbrella or something. I don't know. Like really it's basic shit. What's the deal with that guy? But yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that and some story about a guy I met on holiday, some Welsh guy, who I don't even saying it now. I don't even know. He, I was probably just repeated a thing he said <laughs> once about. I remember this now. He used to go, "Nothing's impossible." A newborn baby could throw a golf ball into orbit. And that was his first example of nothing being impossible. <laughs> and I remember finding that funny. And I probably just repeated that and didn't do any work on it. But yeah, that was like my first set, I think. That, Penguin from Batman. That's all I can remember on those bits. Did you Was it one of those moments where a lot of people talk about the fact that the, their, or their first couple times they go, and I think this is sort of the delusion that keeps comics going, is they have a first gig and they, they kill or second gig, and they go, I'm... I got this. I understand it. And was there a moment while you were doing well, well, all of a sudden you had a gig that made you go, maybe your first big bombing experience where you thought, am I wrong about thinking I'm funny? Did you have yeah, one of those moments? I, had, I don't know. I was at university and I drove down to London and I did a gig at a place called the Bearcat, which I now like, I they like me and I do, but it was like, you were on with these fucking massive acts, but they give like new guys five minutes five minutes but you and the crowd there are quite like used to big acts so they're kind of a little bit i don't know it's a club that everyone's like ah, it's a great club and it's good but it, the crowd are very much like all right who the fuck are you but i remember having like i remember having like a relatively all right gig for about four of the five minutes and the last minute just tanked like literally just silence like what happened to me tonight no, but yours wasn't like that. Okay. So, do you but remember? Do you remember? Do you remember why they turned or I what? I sat in my car afterwards. Yeah. And I remember like going, just never let that happen. I think I even wrote in my little notebook, never let that happen. Remember again. what happened. Never let that happen again. Yeah. If you want to like keep doing this. Yeah. And I think I probably cried as well. Maybe. Yeah. I think every comic has a moment where they car. bomb, <laughs> and a lot of comics have that moment where they go. I may bomb again. I may not do, but I will never let what happened tonight happen again. Yes, I think there's that. But now it's like not bombing. But now I don't. It's more you don't good. care. I don't it give a feel shit. Like bomb. Yeah, you don't Cause, care because everything is so important when you start out. Because you just like, yeah. You now I'm like, are you do enough ones that are good? You're like ah. Yeah, for it's sure. Still not fun to bomb. Depends on the stat- stature of the gig as well. If I bomb tonight, I'd be fucked off with myself. To be <laughs> Well, there's some... Like, It'd be I, great podcast material. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of wanted you to bomb so we could talk about it. Yeah. But I bombed um, on f- last Friday because I was going... And I don't know if you've seen me do this before, but I was about to go on stage. And then Fraser Smith, who's a regular laugh fighter, goes, Hey, Bill, you want to do your gay? And your gay is this Russian character that I created, whatever. Um, and I, I'm very depressed. I go on stage. I never smile. Everything I talk about is just about how depressing and sad and lonely I am. That's funny. That's funny. And it was a midnight show, so, you know, I don't know, Dane Cook or Chris D'Elia had one on. 
flatten the room and then people are just trickling out after that. Yeah. And so there's a moment of, well, I could be myself and try to do my best shit. And if they don't like it, I'm going to feel bad about myself as a human being and as a comic. So I'm going to be your gay. It's a like way to sort yeah, of yeah, protect yeah. myself. Yeah. But it's also an interesting experiment. So I kind of want those like, hello, my name is your gay. I'm from, uh, I'm from, the first joke is I'm from Moldova. Do you know? It is like a white trash of Russia. Uh, people from Moscow say, ha ha, you're gay. You're trash. You probably sleep with sister. I say, fuck you. We are in love. <laughs> and so that's the first joke. And the whole joke is sort of based on, and, and people will punch out of, of, the laughter right and sometimes i'm just looking at them and there's a really weird vulnerable synergy that is going back and forth where i don't care that no one's laughing because in my mind it's not me yeah, yeah. so it's kind of an excuse to bomb I've always kind of, of characters it's like a little it's a little extra layer on the onion of protection yeah it is i mean i so think you actually tanked did you actually have a bad I, I, it wasn't like i, I tanked. feel like your level like even like you said are oh, i don't know if maybe you're like we're all our own harshest critics, but I could I could easily just tell you like I wouldn't lie to you if I thought you'd been shit. But I think you're like ah, you didn't. You, you're so used to like a big laugh all the time, and I think maybe <laughs> it's an American thing versus like you guys are like so. I gotta have a big laugh, big laugh, big laugh, and yeah. actually, like I said, like no one gives a shit if there's no big laugh <laughs> for well, a couple of little bits. It's funny because you did really well. I, I one time I vouched for, and I'll mention his name because <laughs> no, most people know him as Brendan Burns. Yeah, I think I told you about yeah, this. Yeah, you told me. That's why you're worried. And I've your seen him in. Me into the, you didn't get me into the laugh factory, In New so. Zealand, I've seen him like you know crushing and blah blah blah. And I said, Jamie, this guy's great, and he actually had, had has a bit of a name, bit of a following. And he f- and again, it was one of those weird transition shows where he's following some some beast, you know, who just murdered. I think it might have been Delia or or, or, uh, or Dane. And he gets on stage and he sits on the stool. As a pro, That's very a relaxed, very confident move. That very confident move. I'm gonna sit and still was like, and he and he started referencing how funny. He was like, oh, that was really, you know, good trick. That by the way, good trick. Back reference the guy before you. <laughs> but he great. wasn't doing it with a lot of energy, so he was kind of there. And then there's that weird moment where people go, okay, all right, now now we got. And then he goes into like a long form story about something. He actually starts talking about how British comedy is long form and how America is like punchline, punchline, punchline. So he's describing. They don't want to hear that. He's describing a story what is it, that like isn't funny. Show? It's like a midnight show. No one wants to know the the mechanics of comedy yeah. at midnight. They just want to just hear funny shit. So then he's not doing that well, and then he goes into, as you know, the John Barrymore bit. Michael Barrymore. Michael Barrymore. That fucks some fucks someone who gets, fucking to death. He fucks someone to death. At a party or something? Is that a real yeah, story? Yeah, Michael Barrymore. A guy died, was found dead in his swimming pool. Someone was found dead in his swimming pool. And then Brendan had a bit about, he fucked him to death. Fucked to death. Fucked to death, sir. Yeah. Do you understand? And the audience, maybe, I don't know if it's because it came off slightly homophobic or no one no, knew who the no one hell. Gives a shit. No, no one, one knew who Barrymore was. That's one thing about America. Crowds. Like Drew Barrymore? Say, no one gives a shit. But it's the same in the UK. If you came on and you were like, um, uh, Regis Filbert is that his name? Yeah, Regis Philbin. Whatever his name is. Yeah, I call him Regis <laughs> Filbert. You know, that's how much. If you went Regis Philbin, he's a presenter in the in America. And as soon as you said that, everyone would be like, "I don't care what you're about to say." Yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, unless it was like a really weird concept, like his name's that, and it, I, I just think people go, "It's not." 
what? Yeah. I don't want to think about so it. So he, he, and the funny thing about him bombing that night is he bombed with gusto. Yeah. He's he, like, John Barrymore fucked in the after death, sir. Do you understand? Fuck. And so he's doing this really kind of arch, <laughs> like aggressive <laughs> British accent into the eyes. People, he's Australian. Do you understand? He's Australian? Yeah. For the sake of the story, he's British. Okay. So he's Australian. Is that an Australian he's accent? He's Australian, yeah. He's got a milder one. Who he's, knew? There you go. Anyway, They're so mates, obviously, and he's just screaming and doing his like, aggressive nothing Brendan worse Burns than thing. Someone going crazy and, and it's acting just, out to, to nothing. And I think Jamie's watching him in the background, like, buddy, why you say this guy? No, he do it. He's terrible. <laughs> so Brendan gets off stage, and you know, he, I don't think he. I think he knew that, but he also was kind of like, ah, if I don't care, you know, like whatever. And I was like, well, okay, it's probably gonna be a while. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> get up here again, but it's. Uh, how do we get into that? We're talking about the punchline thing. Yeah, but oh yeah, long form versus short, right? Yeah, but, but that's so. It was good to see you up there because not only was I doing filthy stuff about pushing women's head and like sex, but you went up there and you smashed and you were doing like clean stuff. And Jamie heard you and it was like so. It was really cool that you didn't go into like some long I didn't, story I didn't about squirrels. Sully the Bill Dawes <laughs> name for another three. You can never recommend a comic ever again. <laughs> and you're the first one in like three years. Well, the first uh, you know someone across the pond. So um. So have when you came to America from from London, did you have a was there a growing pains bit in America where you said I'm going to do this thing that kills in London and it just missed the mark? And you were like, I think I have to reassess how to do comedy in America. Or, no, or I think like I think from gigging, I've done, gigged in, in enough countries. I was like, um, that's the, I actually I had this bit about it's weird. I've got a dog now, but I actually was on a website called Borrow My Doggy, where you could borrow dogs in the UK. <laughs> and it was this bit, I was doing my Edinburgh show. I did it when I first got here. And the beginning bit was like, people were like, this is funny, I'm on board. And actually, something I, I'm guilty of sometimes, you know, we're talking about, I want my bit to be like this long. Yeah, this of course. I think sometimes I want the bit to be a certain way so much that actually I don't go with, I don't, fulfill the need of what the audience you know you can just feel oh, yeah, the yeah, audience yeah. want you to go I think maybe I would push it a bit far and I never quite had a good enough punchline at the end of it and it yeah. just trailed off and I think I wanted it to work because especially because the beginning of the bit would get such a big laugh because it's a funny premise that you borrow a dog for free you like pay no you actually pay to borrow someone's dog which is like a funny premise right but then it never quite fulfilled that and I think that's what's difficult when you get a bit that's like got a really big laugh at the yeah. start and you're like oh and my god I'm, trails I'm, in, I'm in here but then you can't get that payoff do, do you find that that's more of an American thing that they need that final boom at the end the final punchline and and as long form comics in England are they more are they more okay with telling a joke that kind of and then just kind of trails off into like and then they went home and kissed my wife and, and anyway and then they kind of Go on to their next story because I feel if I have a if I have a story that doesn't end with, and then I fucked her or something you know some something sort of hard right turn, I I end up I tend to lose it. Well, I, I just think like isn't I don't know if that's an American or but I just feel like whenever you're telling a story, it's nice to build it to a climax, right? Whatever way. You, so I feel like as an audience, you actually don't need that many laughs in the middle of a story. I don't think. Yeah. On in either side of the pond. But I think as an audience, you're like, oh, where's the... Because if someone's engaging and telling you an interesting thing, mm -hmm. you don't mind, there's no last, but you're like, and that's where we end it. Either the conclusion or the thought process behind it. It's just satisfying, I think, as a yeah. listener. So is there anything that you would say specifically that is different from comedy there and here for you and the way you've perceived it and the way you've been received that you kind of 
think people would be interested to know or do you think it's more overstated? I think it's more machine gun. It's more like bang, bang, bang here. Definitely like you at these, and but also the spots are shorter. So you've got like you have seven, less time to 10, sometimes five, four minutes. You, there's very few storytelling guys. Yeah. But then in a way, this is what's interesting about comedy now is like, well, there's not that many people doing stories. So Burt Kreiser be the story guy. Yeah, for telling sure. Telling 10 minute fucking great stories. And people, one when you're headlining and doing forty five, you can do that. It's it's harder to do that. And hey, I, I think you're right. But um, it's also like it's very difficult to generalize America, UK because each gig. So Laugh Factory is different to a gig to at comedy the store or the comedy, comedy magic, store. Yeah, know, and the same in the UK. But um, I think your audiences are nicer at the start of your set. You know, British people are like, we don't do credits. You guys, yeah. everyone goes, what are your credits before you go on? I'm like, doesn't matter. Yeah. You can say them, but because in the UK, if I went, Bill Dawes has been on Sex and the City. They go, yeah. why the fuck does that matter? Yeah, well, they They're think like, the same thing fu- here, I'll believe me. I'll how funny he is in the next nine yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that can, that can actually backfire. Uh, do you think that um, the tallest poppy syndrome is something that exists in the UK? Is it something like... Yeah. Because uh, the tallest poppy syndrome, I don't know if I can you explain what that is. Because well, somebody heard like a lot. No one in New likes Zealand. getting too big for their boots, right? Is yeah. essentially the distilled version. So, so stars, but you have stars in England, obviously. But is there general resentment towards the idea of being a star? Do people is celebrity worship the same as no, it is? No, it's not worshipped. Like it's more like it's more like we're always more like secret about it. It's like we're like uh, we we do like we find celebs and like again like if American comes on, we're like oh it's a fucking American guy, but we're secretly like oh cool American, <laughs> but we can't admit that. So that's like yeah. the British, you know, constant awkwardness and and. Uh, is that so changing? Do you feel like it's because I feel like things are becoming a little bit hom- homogenous in terms of how people watch entertainment and the shows are becoming more. Yeah, they're all. Be- I still think that like, I still think like we think we're better than cele- we th- we think we're above that in the UK. Yeah. So I don't think that there are certain like if you do certain gigs and someone's suddenly really big and on TV and they come and like drop in at the comedy store, someone said like James Corden like dropped in there like a few years ago, but even before he I think did Late Late Show. Yeah. And. My friend Mil- Milton was on, right? Milton, yeah. And Milton was on. He said James Corden got a standing ovation before he'd done anything. From before the- he walked on stage. And then when he when he was done, he definitely didn't get one. <laughs> no, I think actually they loved his stuff. Yeah. But he got that. So that's like weird. Certain type of celeb will just push a button in the UK. Um, but we don't worship the celeb thing. Yeah. But there is definitely, uh, we're always like... Right, do good, but be modest about it. Is Americans are more like I'm amazing. Sure. Look how amazing I am. Sure, there there was a moment when, uh, when I first started working in 2005, 2006, where I would bring up Dane Cook and just the anticipation of of bringing saying, "Ladies and gentlemen," beat, and the reaction in 2006 was it would hurt your eardrums. I mean, it was it was, was like amazing. The comic or, in the country? or or I mean, I think that the biggest comic sort of that I've brought up on stage is probably Chappelle mm-hmm. because Chappelle also has that weird allure about yeah. the magic and mystery of Chappelle and a lot of people think he's the best comic who's ever lived and I might actually agree with he's, that he's the definitely when I've watched him I haven't seen him live but in terms of natural do you know what I mean like I was like I've got to flick a switch I've got to, I reckon he's just like just goes from the sofa to the stage and yeah. can talk for 
Yeah. He's like born. He just has that thing. You like. Yeah, I know, and I hate it because I don't have it. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, yeah we all we but, all have. But, but there are people. There are people like like Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle who people know them say they process their thoughts in stand-up comedy form. Yeah. Like when they say anything, it goes through the machinery in the brain and it comes out as stand-up comedy, and that's not my natural thing yeah. at all you know i think it's Yours is just to say creepy shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i have to go oh here's a joke here's a reversal and then i beat it to death so um we should wrap this up but i want to talk about what what's going on for you now and what's going on in the future why don't you just uh talk about what what you're looking forward to like give yourself a five-year sort of goal and plan for you and your so wife or, i know british, right i'll be like what just, british is more like 20 uh, years stay alive <laughs> Just stay alive. Stay alive. Don't let my poor diet kill me. But um, everybody has to have some sort of, uh, it doesn't have to be an end game, but a goal. And I think that, you know. Um, I, I try to think that. It's like, do you know, I just, it sounds so cheesy, but like doing, getting paid to do creative stuff is what. Okay, I'm that's like, our time. We got to go. No, I'm just kidding. That, no, that's actually a good story. Like, yes, that's yes. like that. And so I don't, I actually weirdly said to my wife the other day, I actually broke down the monetary value of it. I said, because some stuff I don't want, I'm not going to say on here because the things haven't happened, but two things are pretty much going to happen on one level, but it still takes another, here there's like still 20 steps for something of a script and something with a, a game show. Uh, and I just, I don't know. It's, it's fun now because I think I'm going to get paid to do those things, which is mm-hmm. exciting. So then I guess the next thing I know is will be like, get it to the next level because things can then... But you're being very British and not having hope is what it sounds exactly. like. Exactly. Because I don't know because my also I'm like, I think you if I come here 10 years ago, I'd be like... And also like I've made... I've had some deal in the UK once. Uh, a lot of money came from something and I spunked it all went. <laughs> and now I'm in my 30s. I'm like, all right, cool. If that happens now, I'll be more sensible with it. But I also feel like, yeah, I, I want to keep improving on what's happening this year yeah like a year was settling in here this year some stuff's happened next year let's get it to the next level i like i really like a script that yeah. i write and like i said uh, the acting thing whatever i like if i write the scripts i also want to be in it of course of which course. is the best right yes and in my head i think sometimes you like it sounds like not arrogant, but I'm like in my head, I'm like, why don't I just write a thing and just do that and be in it rather than having to go to auditions where people don't know me and it's really hard. Well, of course, but that's not arrogant. That's actually, I, I think, creating your own vehicle is sort of what how, I mean, what LA wants now. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what me and her at the moment are working on something. So that'd be great to write being it and then just get pay to do fun do you know what though I was driving to Long Beach there. this is weird I think I had my first suicidal thought like not in a big way but I was just <laughs> driving to the gig and I was like do you ever more recently I don't know if it's because I'm in LA and you're just like in your car more and I'm away from my family but I have a really good time here I love it but I still go like I just go what's the point in all it because a couple of things started happening and I was going that's cool that's exciting yeah. that's fulfilling on some level but then I'm like well what's the point what's the point because you go the like end. then I get the thing and I go, so what, what's the point? I get some money. Yes. And then I'm like, now I've got a dog. I'm like, that's cool. That gives me joy. So I don't know if it's like a, and then I was just in the car. I was like, well, what if I just like died? Like, yeah. Who, what, what, it doesn't matter. I think that's why a, a lot of people have kids. 
I well, mean, I, I do like think that is, a, that is a thing because I was like, I love my life and, and a bit of me scared of having the kids. And I was like, well, I think you have a kid because there's like a genuine, there's like a something to live force for behind it. I think, th- I think people who have suicide, like that's partly why they have kids are like, I don't like having the suicidal thought that I have nothing to live for. I should have a kid yeah. so I can't kill myself. Yeah, I can't, I'll be That'll just, help. I'll be really poor. And I've just like, <laughs> but yeah, I had that. I was like weird today because I think it's like you spend so long trying to get shit. So now a couple of things are, are happening. I'm like, oh, oh, cool. But then and I'm like, then but then you just never. It's never it's something about that chase. The yes. chase is very exciting, right? Yes. So you, I oh, keep working on to do this, and then I get a couple of things. Like, oh shit! Then if I get them, yes. But what know, it's an a, interesting thing. One of the things I always ask people about in LA too is is the idea of landing. Do you ever land? Is there ever a feeling? that you've landed somewhere like someone you know who's a friend chris leah like he just said carnegie hall which is the joke about landing yeah you played in carnegie or i guess there's obviously madison square garden as a comic but whatever like you played carnegie hall you've landed somewhere but for i think for comics and for restless spirits the creative spirits you never really land anywhere and i think that normal civvies do like they're actually content in yeah. their job and their life and contentment is a, actually a very rare commodity in the entertainment world it's I'm con- very I'm very content I'd like to be I'd like to be content I think but I don't and I think I'm more so than some but I still feel like what's the yeah you're right you, if you get a thing you're like well what's the next thing yeah but then I, even that process is like what, what is this process yeah. I'm just constantly trying to in a way contentment is also feels like the death of creativity because why are you creating why do you feel the need to express if you feel content because if you're content you're just sort of waiting to die. I know. You just could be like Dwayne Johnson and do five minutes. But like my things. dad, you know, he worked his whole life and then he retired and then he just sits in his retirement and he putters around. And, and he likes he, that? He, he's content. He's just a content so guy. My father-in-law is like 80 and he literally like, Hannah's come down and he's just been sitting in front of the television and it's off. She's like, you're right. He goes, I'm just sitting. Yeah. And he's happy. Yeah, he's happy or he's hiding it very well. Or... <laughs> He just turned off. He's actually miserable. He's just (laughs) saying, take me, God, in his head. He's he's like the most, but he was born before World War II. So he's just happy to be, he had to be, you know, that's a good, you're right. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something, Chris. You are, you're, uh, I consider you a good friend. I'm so glad you came, uh, I saw you tonight and that you came by. Thanks for, it's Um, been a weird evening. I mean, God knows if this is even recorded because you've, yeah, yeah hope there's little red lines and shit. So I hope it's recorded. And if not, it was good to, to talk it's to nice you. Nice to talk to you whilst <laughs> holding a foam microphone in my face. Thank That's you for having me. So many me. people have talked for. Yeah, it was great. Anything you want to plug immediately right now? Any shows or anything? Uh, nah, nah, it's okay. Okay, Chris Martin. Let's give you some Instagram. You're what on Instagram? Chris M Comedy. Chris M Comedy. And you can't be Chris Martin because that's uh, that dude from do you Coldplay. Know what, like, Halloween this year, I'm going to go dressed as Chris Martin from Coldplay. I was, I was just going to like, I'm going to have an apple strapped to my chest <laughs> and have a guitar, have a parachute on. Yeah, I like a, that. What other songs? Is have it a yellow pea stain on your pants. Yellow, yellow, yeah. Yellow what, that? Pea stain, right? Pea stain. Yellow, oh, little, sorry, yellow t-shirt. Why are you making it okay. piss-based? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm dirty. You know me. But, um, yeah, I have the same name as that guy. I should have changed it. So Chris M Comedy is Instagram and Twitter as well? Yeah. And you have a podcast as well. What's that called? I do, but um, Babysitting Trevor or Carl and Chris podcast. But actually, I am one thing I'm doing is working on a new one more for 
these shores. But again, it's not. These I've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, mate. But I can't. Um, I can't reveal what's in my pipes yet. <laughs> I got it. Well, maybe you can come back and co-host sometimes, and we can yeah, interview people together. That. That'd be great. Anyway, thank you so thanks, much, Chris Barton. Right. You're an awesome guy. Thanks, Billy. And signing off from the after laugh. Bye bye. Bye. It's the after laugh. After laugh. Welcome to the after laugh. After laugh. After laugh. After laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>